Hey, Jen, want to talk about one-sided sex? I am not picking sides in this fight. Great. Today we're going to discuss the inevitable situation when one spouse wants release and the other does not. Let's do it. Welcome to the Intimate Covenant Podcast, where we believe the Bible and great married sex both belong on your kitchen table. That's right, we're talking about holy, covenant-bound, intimate relationships with hot sex. We're Matt and Jen, founders of Intimate Covenant. We offer biblical teaching and resources to help married couples achieve a fuller relationship and an extraordinary sex life. For more information, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com. Welcome, friends. Welcome. So good to have you along with us for another episode of the Intimate Covenant Podcast. Yeah, our bi-weekly podcast. Yeah, we're sort of settling into this uh, new regularity, this new frequency. Hopefully, you are too. I've stopped having panic attacks on Monday morning thinking, we didn't get a podcast out this week. But now I know, every other week. There you go, only every other week. Uh, Yes, uh, so uh, yeah, we're kind of settling into this groove and uh, looking forward to to this uh, regular occurrence from here on out. And speaking of regular connections, yes, we do want to mention our good friend Derek at Open Door Financial Advisors. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Derek, for uh, sponsoring the podcast. uh, And uh, we're certainly happy about that partnership and arrangement. But the reason it uh, sprung to mind is Derek also believes in regular connections and collaborations. That um, is true. Derek is not a see-you-in-a-year kind of financial service provider. He uh, he believes in regularly meeting and communicating with his clients, and that just ensures that you're getting progress towards your goals. You get some traction underneath you. Yes, uh, I- exactly. And you know, speaking of which, uh, just not coincidentally, we have one of those regularly scheduled meetings with Derek tomorrow as of this recording. So We are excited. We, we are looking forward to that and looking forward to uh, getting some more help from Derek, who has been uh, just already an invaluable resource to us, getting us pointed in the right direction. We know that he will be helpful to you as well. And so no matter where you are, where you live, Derek happens to live in West Texas, but no matter where you are, wherever you live, uh, Derek can help you and can work with you. Uh, Yeah, he works with clients all over the country. So if you need a financial advisor, and we know that you do, That's right. you all do, um, you need to reach out to Derek. Derek at Open Door Financial Advisors. That is opendoorfa.com. You can and should get in touch with Open Door. We have some exciting new places we're going, Matt. And so I want to take a moment to announce those. I think we've already announced our Seattle Marriage Weekend. Yes, um, a weekend, not just a day, a that's weekend. That's right, July 14th and the 15th. So it'll start on a Friday evening and be um, most of the day Saturday. Um, looking forward oh, to we, heading we are, out the yes. Seattle area. <laughs> we are looking forward to that event for so many reasons. For one, we're, we're excited about the uh, multi-day event, being able mm-hmm. to be with those couples for a little bit longer, space things out a little bit more, cover mm-hmm. a little bit more content, but uh, also just have a little bit more time to get to know those folks. Uh, but we also really fell in love with Seattle a few years ago, so we we're did. very looking forward, <laughs> very much looking forward to going back to that area. 
And, we're going to uh, squeeze in a little hiking in a national park while we're there. That is the I plan. I know that's a surprise to all of you all. <laughs> that is <laughs> so the plan. So that is happening July 14th and 15th. Um, and you can register now for the Seattle Marriage Weekend at intimatecovenant.com slash PNW. Pacific Northwest, for oh, those of you that are Thanks un- for uninformed. filling us in. There you go. And then the other marriage day that we are excited to now announce is one that is happening in the St. Louis area. That's right. Uh, that, that one's going to happen August 26th. Uh, the registration deals uh, details are being uh, finalized, mm-hmm. and that website's getting created. Uh, so those uh, details will be available hopefully very soon. If you're in the St. Louis area, go ahead and mark your calendar. Mark your calendar. August, August 26th. Yeah, August 26th. Uh, in conjunction with that event, uh, we are also planning a singles event on the 25th. That would be the Friday evening prior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, that event will be open to singles. We're going to be talking about uh, holy sexual and purposeful dating uh, with a kingdom-minded focus. Right, um, and it's for singles of all ages. All ages. So not not just the high schoolers. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, and maybe even more appropriately for single yep. adults. Right, that's uh, right. For sure. So we are very much looking forward to St. Louis, our first time in that area yeah. uh, to do this. So. so if you know somebody in St. Louis... Let them know about us. Let them us. know. August 26th <laughs> for that marriage event, the 25th for the singles event. Mark your calendars. And the other big thing on our calendar right now is the marriage of retreat. Course, the marriage retreat. We uh, are, of course, every counting September. Counting down the days to our marriage retreat. But yeah, every, every Counting on the days, busily making preparations, uh, writing the content, yeah. uh, getting all of that together. Uh, of course, we are most excited about uh, the, our partnership with Justin Gerhardt of Holy Ghost Stories. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of bi-weekly podcasts. <laughs> You all who are Holy Ghost Stories podcast listeners will appreciate the fact (laughs) that Justin just released his second half of his season four. Um, He he took a couple of weeks off, and now his podcast is opposite our podcast. So now you once again have something good to listen to every single Monday. Every Monday. It's great. (laughs) Yes. I don't know if he did that on purpose or not, but uh, if if you did, Justin, shout out and thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, But either way, uh, we're certainly happy to uh, be looking forward to uh, that event with Justin. Yeah, the uh, marriage retreat is going to be wonderful. Uh, if you haven't signed up yet, and there are a few, and I mean a few spots remaining, mm-hmm. um, you you uh, will want to grab that. Um, go to our uh, website, intimatecovenant.com slash retreat, and you should be able to sign up there. Uh, and yep. we would look forward to seeing you. All right. So let's get into our theme for today, our subject for today. Um, And it's coming from two submissions that we've received in our anonymous feedback form on our website over the last couple of months. Um, And we're we're linking them together because each of them are asking about a very similar circumstance. Yes. And and, uh, to that point, if you have feedback or a question or uh, would like a question answered on the podcast, you can submit that question by uh, submitting an email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com, or you can go to our website, intimatecovenant.com slash podcast, click on the button, connect with the podcast, and that will take you to an anonymous submission form so you can ask your question without the embarrassment of us knowing who you are. We will not know who you are. And if you feel like you've asked a question and we've not answered it, submit a question again. We We try to get to all of them, but there might be some that we've missed, so... If you're still wondering, keep on asking. Keep on asking, and we'll <laughs> we'll we'll definitely try to to put that into our content. 
So this this first question, again, comes from our anonymous feedback submission. We don't know anything about this uh, questioner other than that they sent this, <laughs> this question. So I'll read it for you. You talk a lot about sex being about connection, but occasionally you mention that sometimes a spouse wants physical release, and that's okay too. I think this could be helpful with desire differences, but how can this be presented in a way that doesn't seem negative? If a spouse is asking for physical release, that doesn't mean they don't want connection, but it seems difficult to convey that. The situation does typically involve orgasm, even if all sex doesn't have to. So basically, one spouse is asking the other to give them an orgasm. What about the difficulty of the other spouse not really being in the mood, but now they are being asked to bring the other to orgasm? How do they have the mindset to offer sexual release to their spouse in that situation? How can both spouses be sympathetic to how the other feels? Great question. I appreciate that this person has clearly been listening to us, but is asking us to dig into some nuances. Yeah, uh, I love it. Different ways, uh, you know, this person obviously knows that we're we're out here saying sex is for connection, right, um, right? But they're wanting to understand, like, how does what does that really look like in sure. the, all sorts of different circumstances? Uh, absolutely, there, there is definitely this tension um, with sex between making connection and and pleasure, mm-hmm. and and of course being pleasure, making sure that I myself am pleasured in sex right. as well as making connection as well as balancing and walking that tightrope before mutual connection mutual connection and mutual pleasure. So there's a lot going on there and I think that this this uh, questioner is grappling with that tension between those right. different ideas. Right. I think maybe a place to start with this question, maybe it's not where everybody would start with this question, but at least where I would start with this question is I think it's crucial to begin by trying to understand what is the purpose for my sexual, physical desire. Mm -hmm. What is the purpose? Why did God make me with sexual desire? That's probably a question not many people have thought to answer themselves, for themselves. Right. Well, and I I think it even, if we look at it from a broader perspective, um, the, the question maybe more importantly and more broadly and more profoundly is why did God make us imperfect? He made us not only with sexual desire uh, but he also made us with a lot of other unmet needs and desires and a lot of needs that we will never fully quench. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, take, for instance, hunger, right? All of us ate breakfast this morning. Well, maybe not. All of us <laughs> ate something today, right? Uh, or yesterday. And yet we ate yesterday, but today we're hungry again. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you could do that would not make you hungry today if you ate yesterday. Right. There's nothing you could have eaten yesterday that would have satisfied your hunger enough to last you all the way through another day. And that's just one day. But God set us up, made us so that we would be hungry not just once a day, but multiple times a day. Hmm. Same with our thirst, right? No matter how much water I drank yesterday, I'm still going to be thirsty today. Hmm. Why did God make us this way? Why did he make us imperfect? Why did he make us with unmet needs? With unmet desires, why did he make us in a way where we constantly need to be uh, re-nourished and refreshed? Well, I don't know that I know exactly the answer, but here's what I do know. Jesus calls himself the bread of life. 
and he makes the point that, and I think the point of that is that we are hungry because we are supposed to be reminded that we need something more than just food. And that's why God makes us to be hungry over and over and over again. The point of our hunger is not to satisfy our hunger with bread. Our, our, Our need is something greater than that, which is the bread of life. That's why Jesus tells the woman at the well that she needs to be seeking not just the water that's in that well, but what she really needs is something bigger and greater and more ultimately eternally satisfying, and that is himself, Jesus, the living water. So tie that into sex, So Matt? <laughs> sex then is created and, and points us to something far greater than just our next orgasm. Our sexual desire is there to point us toward intimate connection. Mm. Our sexual desire is, should be motivating us to connect with someone else. In the temporal situation, that is connection with our spouse But in an eternal circumstance and with an eternal perspective, our sexual desire and our sexual satisfaction and our sexual pleasure all ought to be pointing us to the greater ultimate union of Christ and the church. And with that union being joined to Christ, we will no longer need and want or desire sex. We will never need desire for intimate connection because we will have it. We will be it. We will be that connection, one with Christ. So, again, the point is not the physical satisfaction. The point of our desires is not the food, the water, or the sex, because those things are fleeting. And even if I ate yesterday, I will need more today. Even if I have sex yesterday, I will again have sexual desire because the point is not what's happening on earth. The point is that it should be reminding us of our desire for greater eternal perspective. Probably not where most people would have started answering that question, <laughs> but that was that's powerful, right? Because we have to first understand the point of sexual desire. Exactly. Which I think lays a great foundation for then that next thought, which is that all sex should promote connection. Yeah. And the listener and the, the person who asked this question gets that and even mm-hmm. states that directly, that sex should be promoting connection and that the orgasm is secondary, right? So who had an orgasm or how many times it happened or in what ways, all of that is secondary to the connection. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the questioner gets that. I, I hope our listeners all get that. Right. And, and I think that gives us we can have an eternal perspective about sexual desire and then even apply that to having this perspective about our sexual relationship with our spouse and that we just see something so much greater and deeper than just the physical reactions of our bodies. Yes. That it is that that orgasm is just secondary to the connection that we should be having. Yeah, but, but just like it's okay to want a pizza once in a while or a steak or whatever it might be, it's perfectly appropriate to desire orgasm mm-hmm. and to desire sex. Right. And it's even appropriate to seek that out and even to, uh, you know, make the orgasm a part of your goal for your sexual activity. Right. As long as we recognize that orgasm is not the point. Yes. Connection is the point. Yes. So we're not saying don't care about orgasms. Mm -hmm. We're saying first care about 
connection. Exactly. So, you know, to that point then, to seek sexual release or even to give sexual release without honoring its spiritual purpose, which is that of connection, is to make your sex then a self-serving idol. It turns sex into something that serves my that serves me rather than glorifying God who created it. It's the same as if I were to enjoy a, a nice steak dinner without having any gratitude for who actually provided that meal and reminding me of all of the other physical and emotional and spiritual sustenance that God has given me in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if I partake in sex without connection to God, and if I partake in sex without connection to my spouse, then I'm worse than the pagan who sees a sunset and fails to gratefully worship the divine artist who made it. Right. Again, it all should have an eternal perspective for us, an eternal point. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I'm reminded of Paul's words in 1 Timothy 4, where he um, reminds the brethren there that the, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences need to be se- whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. There's a lot of things we could say about that passage, but I think one thing we could summarize from that passage is that the good things in life, like food and sex, are given for the very purpose of providing pleasure and stirring up gratitude. Yes. That is, that they ultimately ought to be pointing us away from ourself and towards God and each other. Right. And when we use God's gifts solely for our own selfish gratification, then we miss that point. We miss the opportunity really for peak fulfillment because we make it all about our own self and our own reactions of our bodies and and not that eternal mindset. Right. And if you miss the connection, you really miss the greatest fulfillment that is possible with your sex. So again, without that eternal perspective, our sexual desires are ultimately unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. And then we will perpetually be unsatisfied with the sex that we are having because we miss the point. I, I think another thing that's worth considering in terms of this question and the conundrum that this this uh, listener presents here is that if I'm asking my, se- my spouse for sex from the standpoint of I need this or that this is a need that I have that I'm asking you to fulfill, I'm just telling you that if that's the stance that you're taking, if that's the approach that you're taking, if that's how you're asking, you are projecting a very unattractive version of yourself. Right. There is a big difference between I need something from you and I'm inviting you to share something with me, right? Yep. I need something from you is weak and unattractive. That's exactly compared right. Compared to I'm inviting you to share something with me. That's unifying. That's pulling yes. in. And that's not selfish. That is 
I am desiring you being a part of this. Yeah, exactly. Saying that I need something from my spouse is presenting a burden to my spouse. Whereas if I'm inviting you to share something with me, then that is an invitation to mutual connection and pleasure. Mm -hmm. And if you are presented with both of those scenarios, both of those invitations, which one would you choose? Yeah. And that draws us into our second feedback um, submission that we want to tackle in this episode. So there was another episode, I mean, another email that really ties into a conversation about one-sided sex. And it was sent to us by a female who's been married for 10 years. That's all the information we have on her, (laughs) just all that we need. And this is what she says. When I am on my period or not feeling well, I try to offer my husband a hand job, a hand or blow job, so that he can still get a release when I'm not fully available. He sometimes accepts, but does not really involve me or give me much affection or attention. He also would like to leave the TV on because he says it's relaxing for him to watch and listen while I do that. I've expressed that this makes me feel cheap and uninvolved, but he continues to be annoyed and say that it's not a big deal. Advice? So here's how this ties together, right? Because this is also about one-sided sex. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, first of all, I, I think all of us, I hope, are a little bit cringing from just even the thought of this scenario. Mm-hmm. of th- there is clearly disconnection here in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Even during the sex act, uh, they seem to be disengaged and disconnected to the point where he's just watching TV, like making an intentional effort to disconnect. Yeah, Clearly, there's not connection there. And so uh, I, th- I think, I mean, I-, I don't know exactly where to begin with the advice to offer here, but... Um, I, I think most of us feel in, like, in her words, cheap and uncomfortable just from reading uh, th- this right. um, this question. But well, and and there's probably plenty of other places in this relationship where there's little intimacy, or vulnerability, or affection, um, and and so that's going to spill over into their sexual life, right? That doesn't happen within a bubble. Um, and we hope that that hopefully both are willing to face this unhealthy state of their relationship and start making some changes. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't say that to, to try to be disparaging or even discouraging no, to no. the woman who's asking this question. Clearly, there are some issues that are um, apparent in this relationship uh, and some big red flags just from the the statements that are shared here. Right. So one of, you know, kind of the question that she's really starting with is this, how did, and, and the way I think we could rephrase it is how do you create connection when one of you is not, as she phrased it, quote, fully available? Um, that's interesting to me that she uses that language, fully available. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's the language that I would grab onto first because I think there's some in, in interesting and maybe important discussions here with that phrase fully available. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, let's face it, at, at many times, many times in every marriage, one spouse is not going to be, in her words, fully available to the other. Right. But I think we need to define 
what fully available could maybe mean. Obviously, we don't have the pleasure of sitting down with this wife Mm -hmm. and getting to know her. Mm -hmm. So we have to maybe try and guess a little bit here. But by fully available, do we mean fully invested, fully engaged, fully interested? In other words, if I say that I'm not fully available, do I mean that I'm not going to be able to be fully present or fully willing to participate with my whole self? Right, exactly. Or maybe do we just simply mean that there are circumstances, which may be beyond my control, which limit what I can offer at this particular time? In other words, are there circumstances which might prevent vaginal intercourse? Mm -hmm. But I'm still offering fully intimate and connected sex. Right. Do you, and I think it's important to make that distinction There's a difference. very clear and make sure that your spouse understands what you are offering if you're offering not fully available, right? Right. I mean, there are definitely going to be times in all of our married lives where there are physical things that happen to our bodies that make it our bodies unable to participate maybe to the level or in the exact activity we would like. Sure. You know, for a woman having her period, having a UTI, having yeast infections, um, any kind of chronic illness or pain, those will all make it difficult for her to use her body in the way that she would like to use her yeah, body. And, and I think generally we think about this in terms of women, but this is true for men as well who may not be, quote, fully available because of erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. Right. Again, or other chronic illnesses or pain may prevent us from doing the things that we might all otherwise like to be doing. Right. So, you know, I think we start by kind of challenging, what do you mean when you say fully available? And I think it's helpful to kind of recognize that some of our thoughts about this might be coming from how things have been presented to us, especially Mm -hmm. as women. Some of us have been taught that a, quote, good wife makes sure that her husband's sexual needs are always met. Therefore, it's our job to do our wifely duty. Mm -hmm. No matter what's going on with our bodies, it is our job to do our wifely duties. And, and when we look at it through this lens, we've been led to believe that a man has to have regular sexual releases given to him by his wife. Otherwise, he'll look at porn. He'll seek other women. At the very least, he'll be very grumpy. <laughs> yes, and I would suggest that some men have perpetuated this view simply out of selfishness and or laziness. And I'm just going to say, men, if that's what you believe, I think that's a very weak view of what it means to be a man. Yeah. Because look, a, a, a real man's ability to live up to his commitment to covenant faithfulness has absolutely nothing to do with anyone else's behavior. A real man is obligated to faithfulness and he ought to be capable of individually being man enough to live righteously and holy. Yeah, and your wifely duty is about seeking connection with your spouse, not just, quote, meeting his needs by offering him a physical release. You know, you've got to change your mindset in how you view sexual connection with one another. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're feeling cheap and uninvolved while he is distracted and disconnected, then you're not having anything that resembles one flesh covenant. Right. 
A, a wife should be bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She should be joined together with me. She should be one flesh with her beloved. She is not a masturbation receptacle. Right. And so I think we should then learn to approach every aspect of our relationship as being fully available. Yes. And so we're kind of redefining maybe what it means to be fully available to our spouse. And so that whatever the present circumstances are, they, those may limit how my availability is manifested. My body may not be able to do what I would like my body to do, but I must always offer the fullness of myself, whatever that is physically, but especially mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right. Think about it this way. If you show up to worship with a sore throat, do you offer less than fully devoted praise to God just because you can't sing like you otherwise might be able to? Is your worship less, are you less fully available to God because you have a sore throat? Right. Maybe a, a parallel way to look at that is if, if a certain spouse is paralyzed and unable to physically perform certain sexual activities, is that spouse never going to be fully available? Yeah. Of course not. My, my fullest self is going to look differently nearly every time I have sex. I'm yeah. going to be in a different place mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually every time I have sex. Right. And, and, and the, my circumstances are going to dictate that to some extent. There are things that I don't have control over, age, stress, illness, whatever it might be, that those things are going to limit what I can offer at that specific time. But I must be willing to offer all that I have in that moment, every time. Yes. If there's a limit to the vulnerability that I'm willing to offer my spouse, then I should expect that my spouse will notice this. This is one flesh, yes. right? And that they will likewise limit themselves in what they will share with me. So I might be holding back sexually, but my spouse may be uncomfortable emotionally or spiritually. And so that's where... They will hold back. Right. We have to recognize how this works. And in other words, if I'm holding myself back, my spouse is naturally going to do the same. And therefore, the depth of intimacy in my marriage is limited by how much I'm willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's that's the summary here, that if, if I'm going to hold back on some of myself, then I should not expect that my spouse is going to be willing to be vulnerable with me. Right. So we're proposing... That regardless of what your body can and can't do, you can be fully available yes. to your spouse. Because again, your point is connection, not just giving each other an orgasm. Yeah, exactly. And so even if it's a quickie or even if it's a hand job or whatever it might be, th there is still the possibility of connection for both of you in that moment. And, you know, getting to the, the, the questioner makes the point, even in the first question, that, you know, sometimes one of you is going to be in the mood, the other one is not necessarily going to be in the same place. Mm -hmm. And I would suggest that maybe that's the case most of the time mm -hmm. when we're having sex, that you're going to be at different places in your level of desire and, quote, want to. Mm -hmm. But let me just suggest that if we recognize and we embrace the true purpose of sex, which is connection. Yeah then that alone will help to enhance your, quote, mood. Yeah, right? sex becomes much less one-sided if 
each of you is pursuing connection. If, if your body can't quite be there, you can choose to be there mentally yeah. and emotionally. In fact, I would suggest that you are expected yes. to be there emotionally and mentally, and you are expected to be there for the purpose of creating connection. Right. Again, it, it may not be doing everything for you in that moment, but you can put enough into it so that you can enjoy the moment of connection that that is creating with your spouse. Right. And that's what it's all about. It's not about the orgasm for you or for for your spouse. It's about that moment of connection. I mean, it, it, the sometimes a, a, a question I think that a pursuer here in this case needs to ask is if my sincere purpose is for connection, then why would I, like this questioner, feel awkward in asking for this? Right. Why, why is it awkward to come to your spouse and say, I want connection with you? Mm-hmm. It is awkward to come to your spouse and say, I just need to use you so that I can have an orgasm. <laughs> I hope you feel awkward that, asking that. That should make you feel awkward. So the awkward feeling is maybe a red flag that you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. If and, and then if my spouse is asking for connection, what can I fully offer to make that connection yeah. with them? What, what, what do I have left today that I can offer to them in order to make connection? And sometimes you're going to have to agree that it's not mm-hmm. going to be, you know, fireworks and swinging from the chandeliers, but sometimes that's a moment of connection that is worth having. But I think the way that you best understand that is when you recognize the style of sex that you're having has almost nothing to do with whether or not it's enhancing connection. Mm. I, I think that's a very important point to recognize. It's not about how you have sex in yes. these moments. Right. A, a hand job or simply holding your spouse in, in your arms while they masturbate themselves can be just as connecting as any other form of intercourse, maybe even more so because it might be something a little bit out of your norm, but yet you're making an intentional purpose to be there together to connect. Yeah, because I don't care what kind of sex you're having, even if it's plain vanilla missionary style sex, it's very possible for that to either be connected or also just as possible for it to be extraordinarily disconnected. The style of sex has nothing to do with the level of connection that you're having. Right. You're, so so you're, a, a, a hand job is not inferior to intercourse. Right. In that sense, in terms of building connection, it's about what you are doing and what, what you are doing to make it about connection. Right. Your method of physical participation is far less important than your emotional and spiritual engagement and connection. So, you know, maybe you need to just challenge how have we, quote unquote, ranked different <laughs> sexual activities? Why do we see some as better than others. Mm-hmm. And if we're viewing it that way, is it because we're just focusing on the physical pleasure instead of the connection? Yeah. That's a good conversation you should be a- 100%, having. <laughs> 100%. That's a great conversation to have because no one wants to make love with a disconnected spouse. No. No, no one wants that. And so uh, if you're settling for this, why are you settling? When you know your spouse is disengaged, why are you settling for that? And, and that goes back to, you know, this idea again that a good wife gives her husband sex like it's just, I just need to be a body there. I'm, I'm going to challenge the woman 
But I think we also, like you said, Matt, you got to challenge that husband. Why are you settling for that? Be man enough to want connected sex, Mm -hmm. not just a body. Uh, Amen. Amen. And I would suggest that it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. If if you are um, offering disconnected sex, why would you even offer that? Right. Why would you offer to just be a body or be a receptacle or just be a, a masturbation receptacle or a toy? I mean, why would you settle for being used yeah. and feeling cheap at the end? Why would you? Why would you settle for that? Why would you even offer that? And that's a place where you need to look in your relationship and say, if we're having disconnected sex, then something more is going on. Mm -hmm. Because again, your sex life does not happen in a bubble. So where else in your relationship is the disconnection? Is it spiritually, emotionally, mentally? Where are those places of disconnection happening? And that's where you've got some work to do in order to make sure that you are neither accepting or settling for disconnected sex. And that means, in a lot of cases, serious conversations and maybe some serious interventions um, need to be uh, implemented and necessary to change that course of your relationship, not just changing the course of your sex life. Yeah. Because again, I think you're right, Jen. I know you're right that (laughs) sex does not happen in a bubble. This is about relationship and the sexual manifestation is just one symptom of the disconnection that's occurring. Right. So like you said, you've got to be having regular conversations about this and specifically about how how connected is our sex and how can we make it more connected? Mm-hmm. Asking yourselves the questions, what makes me feel more connected to you? I mean, put words to it. Yeah. Consider. Yeah. Is it conversation? Is it when we take our time or when we slow down? Is it when we cuddle before or after? I mean, there is great power in afterglow. Mm -hmm. And if you're missing that, you're probably not as connected as you should be. Yeah, those are are absolutely important questions to consider. What what can I do to feel more connected? And what does my spouse need to feel more connected with sex? But I think likewise, it's important to ask what makes me feel less connected during sex? Is it... When we're rushing through it, when we're not sharing in that afterglow period, yeah. uh, is it when we don't have? Is it because we don't have conversations about sex? Is it because we have poor emotional connection in the rest of our relationship? W- what is it that makes me feel less connected? And a, a place of probably I feel less connected is when I feel like my spouse is just offering to check me off of their to do list. Yeah. Yeah. That should make both of us feel disconnected. Absolutely. And we shouldn't settle for that. Right. Uh, I, I would also say one one maybe final tip here about this topic of sort of one-sided um, orgasm or one-sided sex is that a, oftentimes in these situations, a very simple conversation about expectations can really go a long way to helping avoid disappointments and resentments in the sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you both need to just be on the same page about what the expectations are and what I am capable of offering or not offering in that moment. Right. Um, So, I mean, the question is, what am I seeking in this moment? If I'm pursuing or initiating a sexual interaction, what am I seeking in this moment? Right. And my spouse needs to know what my expectations are and they need to be able to communicate then if they're capable of 
trying to meet those expectations. Right. You've got to answer for yourself, what can I offer you in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's a conversation. And sometimes it's a rain check. Sometimes a rain check is the way to allow both of you to reestablish your expectations and deliver better connection. I mean, if one is asking for swinging from the chandelier... I love how that we always use this. We have no chandeliers in our house. I should, I should make that known. <laughs> but if one of you is asking for fireworks tonight and the other's like, I can barely keep my eyeballs open, you're probably going to be a miss. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a big miss unless you're willing to have a conversation about it and meet each other yeah. in the middle there. And you're both going to be disappointed. You're both going to have resentment because one of you is going to feel like you're not enough. One of you is going to mm-hmm. feel like you're too much. Right. And then you're both going to feel bad about that experience. Right. And and so you've got to reestablish your expectations on how, where can we connect tonight? That's always your question. How can we connect tonight? Yeah. There should never be a night where you say, never mind, we're not connecting at all. Right. Every night should be about connection. Sometimes that involves sex. Sometimes that involves great orgasms for one or both of you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that involves holding one another or just having a, a conversation, yeah, exactly. praying together, find ways to connect. You know, and, and sometimes it's fun to have a quickie or another quick shared moment of passion. There is nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and sometimes you you are going to come to the agreement that, you know what, I had bigger expectations, but I'm willing to meet you where you are. And I still want to have that connection no matter what that might look like. And so that's great. Do that, whatever that looks Mm -hmm. like to you. Sometimes one of you is going to decide, you know what, it would be better or you're both going to decide it will be better if we wait yeah. And we reestablish some anticipation, and we can both prepare better for this. That's somebody, great, too. Somebody can take a nap during the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah, whatever that looks like. And that's okay, too. But right. again, the conversation about establishing expectations is where uh, where that's going to really happen best. Right. And, and, you know, again, your goal is that both of you should feel more connected during and after Whatever it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. And both of you should experience pleasure. Yes. E- even if the primary focus is pleasure for just one of you. And that's okay too. If you both decide, you know what, it's probably only going to happen for one of us. That's okay. Yeah. That's still where we want to go. But the pleasure comes from connection. Yes. Not just that your body responds to stimuli. The pleasure ultimately should be coming from the knowledge that we are experiencing connection together. Yeah, and you can both experience some physical pleasure, emotional pleasure, mm-hmm. s- spiritual pleasure, and, and connection. You can still experience all of that even if you're not both having orgasms. And, and, and really, when you come to any kind of sexual encounter with this mindset, you frankly might just get more out of it than you were expecting. <laughs> That's right. Because you're not putting pressure on yourself or on your spouse. Yeah. Sometimes there's more pleasure to be had than what you might have thought once things get warmed up. <laughs> All right, Matt. I think that gets it for one-sided sex. Great. Give us our wrap-up. The purpose of sexual desire is to point us toward intimate connection with God and with each other. When we fail to see the spiritual significance of sex, we miss the opportunity for the fullness of pleasure and intimacy. Present circumstances may limit how my sexual availability is manifested, but I must always offer the fullness 
of what I have to give, physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And conversations about sexual expectations can often help avoid disappointments and resentments. Now it's time to grab your spouse and your Bible and head to your kitchen table to have the conversation about one-sided sex. Do either of you ever feel disconnected, uninvolved, or used? What is something you can change today to start having more connected sex? We would love to hear your feedback. Contact us by emailing podcast at intimatecovenant.com or to submit anonymous feedback and questions, you can go to our website, intimatecovenant.com slash podcast and click the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. Thanks again to Derek and Open Door Financial Advisors for sponsoring the podcast. You should reach out to Derek at opendoorfa.com. Thanks to all of you for listening, subscribing, and rating, and sharing the podcast. We are truly humbled by all of your encouragement and support. And thanks especially to our Patreon subscribers for coming alongside us in a very real way. We love you. Until next time, keep striving and don't settle. Thank you for listening. If you have something to add, we would invite your feedback, questions, and suggestions via our email, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. To submit anonymous questions and feedback, visit our website, intimatecovenant.com backslash podcast. Click on the button, contact the podcast for an anonymous submission form. In addition to this podcast, Intimate Covenant offers group Bible studies, private couples coaching, premarital counseling, weekend seminars, and an annual marriage retreat. We would love to continue the conversation about God's plan for intimate marriage and holy sexuality with you and your friends. If you're interested in bringing us to your church or small group, please contact us, podcast at intimatecovenant.com. May God continue to bless your marriage.